This program may include depictions of health conditions that could be distressing for certain listeners. The views expressed in this program belong solely to the individuals featured and do not represent the opinions of Himalaya Wellness Company or GeoSav. It is important to note that this program is not intended to defame any individual, entity, caste, community, race or religion, nor to disparage any institution or person, whether living or deceased. It should be understood that this program is not a replacement for professional medical advice. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The House of Wellness, Season 2, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company, streaming on Geo Savan. Welcome to The House of Wellness, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company. Himalaya is one of the leading global herbal healthcare brands that has been harnessing the science of Ayurveda since the 1930s. We are present in over 100 countries, spreading the promise of wellness in every home and happiness in every heart to millions of homes around the globe. Welcome to The House of Wellness Season 2, a podcast powered by Himalaya Wellness Company. This season, we embark on a journey exploring the various facets of holistic wellness through our conversations with influential personalities from the health, sports and social sectors. Each episode focuses on a specific theme, such as mindfulness, sustainable living, nutrition and mental health, uncovering insights into leading a balanced and holistic lifestyle. House of Wellness Season 2 is designed to empower you with knowledge and inspiration, making wellness a fundamental part of your journey. Tune in to embark on a healthier and happier life. I'm Charu Sharma. Today, I'm delighted to be in the company of a very well-known, globally renowned and award-winning holistic lifestyle coach, who is also, by the way, a brand ambassador of a very successful movement called the Fit India Movement. Please do welcome Luke Cotino. Luke, thanks so much for joining us and sparing the time. Thank you so much. I'm feeling better already <laughs> being in your company. That's what it does, the radiations. <laughs> Luke, you had a regular career going in the corporate world. And then, of course, you must have had several compelling reasons to move into this wonderful journey of wellness. Do talk us through those early days. Great. So I did study nutrition. I did my hotel management. Didn't like it, but fell in love with the subject food science, technology and nutrition. So I believe I had to go through hotel management to discover what I really like in life. But right after that, I moved straight into the corporate world, spent my last 10 years with IBM. I loved it. And I also taught a lot on health over and above my role because I was passionate. I was trained on it. And I think towards the last two or three years, I started to realize as I climbed the corporate ladder, I started to notice that health deteriorates as people move higher and higher. One day I was in the elevator and I heard a very, very senior person in the company saying that my health is so bad, I can't even fit comfortably in a first class seat. And that's when it struck me. Why should life be like this? What's going wrong? At that point in India, we had, we had everything. We, people had personal chefs, trainers, access to information, doctors, nutrition and everything. So I started to reflect on what's going wrong. And I realized that lifestyle, everything with lifestyle, people knew what to do but they didn't know how to do it or they weren't doing it. They would take tablets for little problems that you, know, you could solve with sleep, with the right nutrition. So the last two years, I spent a lot of time in the company moving more into integrated health services and also starting to restudy and see where I could fit in. I had a couple of trips to the US and that's where I fell in love with the subject integrative and lifestyle medicine. 
specialized in immunology. And two years later, I decided that, you know, that point comes in, you're used to a corporate job, great designation. And now what happens if you go solo? So I said, when I have 20 patients, okay, that's the time I'll quit. I had 20 patients in 15 days. And one fine day I woke up and said, that's the time to change. And that's how I moved into co- out of corporate straight into consulting and wellness. And from then till now, it's been a great journey. You know, I actually spoke about what may have been my next question. This transition from being looked after by a company and all those perks are fantastic and they kind of, it's like a snake's jaw. You can get in, can't get out easily. Was the business decision something that you struggled with? You mentioned that you got 20 pretty quickly. But even thereafter, you do need to be financially secure. And was there a phase when that was a question mark? Absolutely, for 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, you know, what do I do? And I spoke to my dad. My dad always taught me a very powerful word, providence, which means pray. You'll be looked after no matter what decision you're making as long as your intention is right. So that's why I say 24 hours. The next day I woke up, I quit, and it was the best decision in my life because after that, those 20 became 100. So if I was one foot here, one foot there, the universe was giving me 20 patients, 15 patients. But the moment I closed one door, it's an insane story things started opening up. It's like I freed myself for more and more patients to come my way. And yeah, that's how it was. You got to share that prayer with me. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's deal with the mental aspect first, because success, of course, obviously has a price in the corporate world and in many other areas of the world. Do you think that the stress and anxiety, not so much physical lack of well-being, is something that is also first to be looked at before we get into the physical aspect. Is that a tough part, especially in corporate India? Absolutely, it is. And I like what you said, it is the first part. Everyone thinks it's nutrition and exercise, but it is your emotional wellness at the top and your quality of sleep. Because if both of these are compromised, you make the wrong decisions to eat. And obviously, you're not going to work out. So in the corporate world, it's tough. There's no doubt about it because... Now, when I look back, everyone was in the rat race, almost everyone, you know, in the rat race. And I always say, if you're in the rat race, at least, you know, end up dying as a happy and healthy rat, but not as a sick and diseased rat. So yeah, it is a problem, but I wouldn't really say, because I've seen today when I'm on the other side of the corporate world, we deal with billionaires, we deal with, you know, big industrialists. And I see some of them were very calm, elegant billionaires and some who are jet set losing their health. So it is possible that you can do it. There are words that we have to face, like when there's more greed. We call it ambition, but it's actually greed. Or there's comparison that, hey, he's got so much, I want so much too. So you mindlessly start trying to do more and more without understanding what is it that truly makes me happy. So mental health is difficult. And then, of course, when you work in corporates, they want you to make money for them, right? Compared to when I look at some of the startup entrepreneurs and all of that stuff, they have very different ways of working with people. But I believe mental health comes down to our responsibility. If we're going into a tougher environment, we need to know ourselves. How much is enough? Where do I stop? And if we get pulled in directions, I get pulled sometimes in directions. Hey, Luke, you know, fly to the US, take 20 clients. These could be great for you. And I'm like, no, slow down. I'll come when I'm ready. You know, because we need to realign with what's right for us. Am I going to lose my health with three trips to New York every month? So it's very necessary for us to step back And I do like the fact that corporates today are putting mental health and emotional wellness on the pedestal because they've realized it's kind of making a, you know, impact. And people seem to be admitting to it a lot more as well, which is also a terrific start because, I mean, people need to admit that they need help. But you agreed with me some time back. Let me agree with you here because I completely (laughs) feel it. This business about being brutally honest with yourself because it's a very competitive world. Where Mm -hmm. do you fit in depends on just who you are. And it's so difficult for people to realize that because... 
I suppose they get caught in, sucked in with the whole journey that everybody else is experiencing. But let me get to technology and social media mm-hmm. because there's so much of it around. And I'm sure you know people learn or hope to learn from it. How do you sift? How do you decide what is good for you, what is right? Because every six months, things change. You know, something's good for you, something's not good for you. Yeah. And, and do you have a mechanism where you advise people on what to accept from the social media and internet? Or not, because it's a difficult one. Absolutely. Social media can be destructive and constructive. But the point is, you know, since we're into integrative medicine, it's very science approached and it's also holistic approached. I always tell people, don't be on social media for medical advice or even nutrition advice, because you're going to get the opinions of thousands of people in the world. Go to PubMD, go to NCBI, look at research, then select what makes sense to me. Because social media is all about pushing someone's opinion. This is someone today will say, oh, you have three protein shakes a day. I got a six pack. Now everyone wants to do that without understanding that everyone is biologically different. And so my message on social media is no matter what content you consume, number one, every day, remind yourself like a prayer. I am different from everyone else. Now I can learn, hey, low carb, let me try. If it works for me, great. Now how do I do it the right way? But I can't just keep jumping on trends because that's how social media works, right? It's a trend. So I believe the people who consume social media have to be really, really intentful. Like, why am I here? Why am I following this account? Why am I taking this information? And what am I doing with it? I'm hugely against the word influencers. Because I always say, if you can allow yourself to be influenced by someone, you have no control of your own rationale, your own logic. You should be inspired. I believe social media should inspire someone. Hey, well, yeah, I need to start moving. I need to start sleeping better. Now, whether it's seven hours or eight hours, but let me start. So social media can be, in fact, most of our patients with depression and anxiety, the moment we put them on a one-week detox of social media, believe me, they are way better. I'm not saying stop your meds if you feel better, but know it's a part of your eventual healing and recovery that just distancing yourself from all of these opinions can be good. And then there are great accounts. There are great accounts that give you information which is not biased which is straight up, which is based on science, and which is not opinionated. So there are a lot of accounts that do that. There are a lot of shows that do that. So I'm a fan of OTT in a way, because in OTT, you can get very credible information going out, and that particular person or that particular company starts building credibility because of the authentic information. But social media, you're lost. Today you see someone, tomorrow you see someone even looking better, and say, hey, wow, you mentally think that that's the person I should follow and do everything that they do. Well, whether we like it or not, social media is here to stay. So is, of course, technology in all its forms. And I wonder if it's a competitor to you in a certain sense, because do you also find that you have to make people unlearn what they seem to have garnered from the social media before they try and follow your programs? Because they could well say, well, sorry, what you say is not true because I read something else somewhere else. Yeah. So we're constantly unlearning. From the time I passed out, I'm unlearning. Because like you said, coming back to your previous point, six months ago, fat was bad. Now it's good. You know, now artificial sweeteners were great five years ago. Cancerous now. Yeah, now it's cancerous now. So we've been unlearning because it is the truth. You know, science today is cherry picked. There is good science and bad science. So if I ask you to study the science of turmeric, okay, there'll be good and there'll be something maybe not so good. But you can choose to use the good science alone and you don't have to use the bad science. So the point is it's changing. And again, like I say, the human body is so dynamic. Everyone needs to unlearn, everyone, whether they're doctors, medical professionals, scientists, because everything's evolving. And if we're not open to unlearning and learning new, 
you know, we just operate from a box and that's why we're one of the most diseased nations right now. Not happy hearing that. <laughs> Look, we touched on mental health earlier, but let me press a whole point about knowing oneself, mental health, depression and so on and so forth. I know that more and more people seem to be talking about it because of certain persons of influence, although we don't like that phrase, are also talking about it. But do you think enough of that is happening? Do you think there's enough help for people, enough self-realization? How do we drive that? Because there are so many people out there who are perhaps mentally not comfortable. And yet, if we don't reach out to them, if they don't reach out to us, you, how does it work? Well, I think it's very important that people start to learn how to express emotions. And for that, they have to have the surrounding supportive environment to do that. It's very important because today, medically and scientifically, emotions, suppressed emotions are connected with disease directly. There are books written, it's documented. We have a beautiful correlation and I'll, I'll talk about that. We have ER positive breast cancers, that's estrogen dominant, women, men also, but very few. And we've noticed a trend, okay? This is very different from an ER negative, okay? Breast cancer, completely different. In the ER positives, we notice a lot of emotional turmoil over the years. You see, cancer doesn't just happen. If you're detected today, it's been happening and growing in your body. And we notice like these very suppressed emotions in women. And I'm talking about like they were molested as children, raped, told never to speak about it by the families. You know, it's a common thing in India or very ugly divorces, very, very, you know, deep in-law issues that become very nasty. See, these are emotions that you live with all the time. They breed resentment guilt, hatred, bitterness. This is poison to the human body. Now, the point is, all of us go through it, but it has to come out. And the whole thing is that we keep encouraging people to speak about it. Now, where do you speak? Sometimes exactly. you, can't, yeah, you can't speak to your family. Sometimes. Then maybe you have a good friend, but today people are like, oh, my, my friend changed and spoke about all my stuff. Then some people go to religion. Some people move to a spiritual path where they're heard. There are all these different mechanisms. And then you have companies around the world that are opening up. There are lines where you can just call up and speak on your mental head. You feel suicidal. You're going through something. Or, of course, you get a good counselor, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist. But the important thing is people need to know that whatever you suppress will have to come out in this lifetime. It can come out in anger, violence, disease, mental breakdown, but it has to come out. This is something I've learned from my dying patients. I told you I do terminal patients, cancer. So I get the privilege and honor to speak to most of my patients who die. And you learn a lot from them. And I've seen one thing. Whatever has to come out of them has to come before they breathe their last. Whether they need to forgive someone. And if they don't, the pain is incredible. I've noticed this. And when you read books of caregivers to cancer patients, you know, it kind of establishes it. Sometimes there's a patient where even the doctor saying, it's time God just takes this patient away bone cancer, you touch their body, they're in pain. And there have been cases where I, you know, I speak to the patient, what grudge are you holding? Who do you need to forgive? And some of them, they do it. They'll call that brother, that cousin, whatever. Man, they're gone peacefully the next day. So I'm saying suppression, we're not meant to as human beings. Again, this is not what Luke is saying. As human beings, we're social beings. We're supposed to talk. If you look at communities around the world, we were communities, whether it's the Maasai tribe in Africa, in South America, the Amazonian tribal people. People talk, people communicate, people share. They're there for one another. But today people meet, drink, smoke, vape, high, but there's no real communication, which is why they're not left happy, but they're left actually more depressed, waiting for the next weekend, because it's a temporary band-aid. It's not really social being, but the people who have great relationships, who can talk, Maybe you can't speak to your dad, but speak to your mom. Maybe not your sister, but your brother. Or maybe a great friend. 
but it is so important. And there's another way. If you can't go to a counselor or whatever, journal, write it down. This yeah, is such a powerful, exist. write it down, burn it. Or I even love, I do it myself sometimes because some things you can't tell anyone, right? I record a voice note and I delete it. But when you do that, you just release. It is. It's like a pressure cooker. That's the best example, right? If you don't release the steam, it's going to explode. Boom. It's the same thing. So in our country now, people are coming out because they're fed up. That's the good news I wanted. I was about to ask. Do you think our glass is now half full? Is there much more communication? Is yes. there much more release? Are there many more avenues? Absolutely. And I think the Fit India movement is doing a lot. A lot of uh, uh, private institutes and companies are doing it. I know a lot of corporates who are, they have this mental wellness line open. You can come and talk to us. But again, one more point relating it to social media. Social media is not the place where you go and talk about your problems. Because it actually makes you more depressed because you're looking for validation then. Oh, I'm sad. Everyone loved me, like me. And if someone doesn't or someone trolls you, you're going to be even more depressed. So social media is not your platform. But you can discover people who have great healing programs, therapists. Always do your research because there are a lot of fake people there and good people. But finally, you need to express what is in your heart. And if you do that, the healing is unbelievable at a mental, emotional and even physical level. What about you personally, though? Because I know psychologists who have often go to another psychologist just yeah. to debrief or whatever the term is. Uh, do you also find that I'm getting a little too caught up in this? And is it difficult for you to then move on onto newer discoveries? Because you constantly have to destroy an earlier discovery to be able to accept something new. Yeah, but it's fine because we've kept an open mind. We don't think we're right always. And we have like a whole, you know, part on our website and social media that says that Team Luke is always unlearning. Because we want people to know we're willing to change based on what's changing. Because today a medicine changes, the side effects change. Right? It could be a different pharma. The side effects can be totally different. So I think that, that knowing that we're open to constantly learning actually gives us a lot of credibility and confidence that people know that, hey, so they reach out to us. Hey, Luke, have you heard this new thing? Have you studied it? What's happening over here? And sometimes we have to go back to the drawing board and actually find out, hey, yeah, this is changing. So we're always in a state of unlearning. Well, I'm going to talk about something that's a little difficult for most people because we know the pharmaceutical industry is there and it does a lot of good as well. So you mentioned medicines a short while back. Is it also a struggle to get people off medicines or are you okay with them following their prescriptions to a certain extent? See, we're in the field of integrative and lifestyle medicine. We don't fight allopathy. If allopathy is going to save my patient's life, obviously, yes. So I do integrative oncology. So 90% of my patients are cancer. Stage two, three, four. Am I going to say no to chemotherapy? Absolutely not. Radiation, absolutely not. But yes, we will have discussions with the doctor if it's an 80-year-old man who's already like, you know, frail. And we're going to question and ask, do you really think this patient needs so much of chemo? Speak to the family. And a lot of families say, hey, if he's got one year to live, let him live comfortably. We don't want chemo destroying the body. So in integrative medicine, we're not alternative. We have oncologists on our team. We have radiologists. We have surgeons. We embrace anything that heals the patient. So tomorrow, if there's a new herb that can bring health to our patient, it's backed by science and professionals all around the team says, hey, yeah, by adding curcumin after chemotherapy, we can reduce inflammation. Of course, we're going to embrace it. So for us, integrative medicine is the patient in front and anything and everything that works for the patient's good without harm. So we won't say or we won't find fault with any form of medicine. And of course, see, I'll be honest with you. There's good medicine and there's bad medicine. Like there's good nutrition, bad nutrition. There's good exercise, bad exercise. And like that, you can take it to people. There are good doctors, bad doctors, good nutritionists, bad. So sometimes you need to challenge the system a bit and say like, why are you medicating this patient so much when the levels are coming down? Give the body a chance. And the beauty is over the last nine years, we've built 
so much of credibility that doctors are, yeah, okay, let's slow down. He's willing to work out, willing to stop smoking. Let's see what changes. That's what integrative medicine is about, changing lifestyle along with medicine in the hope that you get better so your own doctors can reduce your meds or eventually stop them. Yeah, well, I wish it was as simple as two plus two is equal to four <laughs> or some kind of yeah. mathematical situation because yeah. a lot of these are universally accepted, but yeah. they do keep changing. So once again, the decision of what to accept and what not to in the field of wellness could be tricky. But let me get on to something which is of relevance when you talk about the most simplistic form of exercise. We'll get to that too, mm-hmm. of say joining wellness outfit at the lowest level of gym because it's the motivational levels that seem to be a problem. You know, people join, they're convinced. And then just to keep them going, seems to be a really tough nut to crack. Do you find that happening with people that you accept as well under your fold that, you know, it's so difficult for them to remain motivated to keep doing the right thing uh, in this journey for uh, holistic wellness? No, absolutely. And the point, you know, if we're going to fix this problem in the world, we have to fix the use of the word motivation. It's the wrong word. Motivation is for people who have not yet decided that they want to achieve something. They're still here and there. They're like, oh, okay, let me try on the 1st of Jan to join the gym. And by the 7th of Jan, they've stopped. So I like using a word inspiration. How can I inspire people to start making a change in their health? Because motivation, you're giving them a choice. Oh, if I'm not motivated, I won't do it. They still hold a power. But when the human mind decides, nothing can stop it. Of course, you fail. Even the most inspired people will miss, you know, a workout once or twice in a week, but they'll get back on track. The motivated person will say, oh, motivation doesn't work with me. So for example, you watch 10 YouTube videos to get the motivation to go to a gym. Tomorrow you need another 10, and then another 10. So I like using the word inspiration, but it is because it's human behavior. It's not to judge a person. Everyone's priorities are different. Someone who values health will not have to be inspired or motivated. Someone who values money will not have to be inspired or motivated to make money. So I think it all comes down to, again, the emotional part. If I'm trying to change my health, how do I make it a value? How do I make it a priority? When I make it a priority, like if we give all the audience, like say a Rolls Royce, for example, we won't have to motivate them to look after it, (laughs) right? Why? It's got value. You know, for most parents, we don't have to motivate them to love their kids because it's got value. So when there's value, automatically we shift inside and the shift has to come from inside for us to be consistent with change. So which is your latest Rolls Royce? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. You'll get there too. Yeah. Let's talk about nutrition because you didn't mention that earlier and we touched upon it, but that's such a vast field. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on the middle path? Because it's very difficult for an average citizen, who is an average citizen? We don't know, but I mean, take an average citizen to follow a very strict nutritional path because you're not at the same place all the time. You don't have access to your own kitchen through the day and so on and so forth. So you land up eating a little bit of this, that and the other. Is there a middle path or are you saying, listen, you do exactly the right thing nutritionally or sorry, I can't help you? We don't believe in diets. We don't believe in the word diet because your body is dynamically changing. And now if I give you a piece of paper and email saying eat this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, your body's dynamically changing. Today, maybe you worked out more. Maybe you had more mental stress. The kind of food you eat and the consumption of energy is going to be different. So even we handle a lot of athletes, okay? Their plan is constantly changing according to their training, according to their rest, according to everything. So we don't like the word diet. Now, of course, specifically for a disease, you may have to be very nutritionally accurate. Like 16 cycles of chemo, yes, we're going to have to reach at least 80% of accuracy. But for everyone else, it is simple. Whether we're traveling or not, we need to understand that and this is not what Luke says. I've learned over time that we can't preach because we don't know what's right. Tomorrow it may change. But well, there you go. we do know what the human body requires for survival. 
It needs vitamins, minerals, depending on your activity, the macros, protein, fat, carbohydrates, depending on your activity. If you're sedentary, of course, you don't need that many carbohydrates. But if you're active, you need the right quality of carbohydrates. So I always ask people, this is what your body needs. Now, can you manage it, whether you're on a flight, hotel, staying in a different city? And they all say, yeah, 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 we can. We can choose this at the buffet. We can order this. So we like to coach people into understanding this is what your body needs. And this is what you need to give it. So can I get a probiotic after my meal? Can I have some curd? Can I have some yogurt? You're making your meal nutritionally dense. Do I need to start my meal with sugar or a donut or carb? No, I can put that at the end of my meal. So I have a flow because the body works on anatomy, on a particular flow of food. So this is what we teach people. And of course, if people have goals that I want to lose weight or I want to put on muscle, then of course, you'll be a little more accurate with the protein calculation, the calorie calculation. But for most people, and I always use the example because we handle less privilege, we treat less privilege across the country or for cancer, free of cost. We've realized this. Before they had the cancer and even their families around, because we try to find out what they're eating, they get the simplest of foods. They don't even get almonds, the stuff that we get that are absolutely fine. The body learns to adapt with what you give it. So if they're only eating seasonal, it's good enough for them. So really, the middle part is about understanding what does my body feel good on? And our body talks to us. Like, let's say I had a meal right now and I feel tired for the next two hours. Your meal was wrong. You either had too many carbs, too much of refined, or like you have indigestion, that means you either ate too fast or too much of oil, you got acidity. It's always giving you clues based on what you put, input, output. So, you know, we start to realize, so we do the seven-day test with people that, hey, listen, okay, fine. This is what you want to eat. Just write down how you feel. At the end of the week, they say, I'm energetic. Wow, I feel good. I feel lighter. Okay, now this is the ecosystem of food that you need to operate within because everyone is different. Sometimes some of our Bollywood clients or cricket players, people say, hey, can you share the diet? Mm. They actually pay. You know, I'm putting money on your account. Just share the diet. I want to look like him. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't work that way. You know, because your body is different. Everyone's body is different. So nutrition is simple. The more we lean towards nature, what can I take from nature? But if I'm more through ultra processed everything in a packet, everything, fast food, right then I'm destroying my health. There's no need of a diet plan. There's just a need of a correction of balance. So and I'm not saying you can't have, I enjoyed a bag of chips once in a way. I'll have an ice cream. I'll have, I eat everything. But that's going to be 90% whole food from nature. And 10% is, of course, the body can deal with it. You know, if you're active and you're doing everything the right way. So that's the middle part. Should we cancel the pizza? Oh, there was. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding again. But, you know, I'm just going to stay on nutrition for just a shade longer. Because a lot of people may not have access to Luke mm-hmm. or even the internet to a certain extent. And I, for them, uh, would love to know whether a middle path is actually okay in the main, where you have little moderate portions and there's nothing excessive about what people ingest. Is that also generally okay? Now, that's not very specific. You mentioned, you know, what you need, the body needs, but people may not go to that level of depth of knowing what they need. But is a middle path okay without excess? Absolutely. I ask people to reflect, you know, from the time you were a small baby, okay, you stopped breastfeeding and you grew up into a young teenager. If you were not sick, you were happy, everything good, the food that your parents fed you is the same food you should eat today. There is no requirement to change that. Of course, disclaimer. Like the quality of wheat has changed. The quality of milk has changed. So if it creates bloating and gut issues, you want to stay off it or move to a better quality. But that's how it is because that food's in our DNA. It's what our body recognizes. And that's why sometimes we feel nostalgic what food our parents fed us and we eat it and nothing actually happens because there's that whole emotional connect of food with our DNA and our cells. So the advice to, to people and yeah, people who can't reach out to me, we created a part for our people. Everything's free on YouTube. We've had people who have 
reverse thyroid, reverse their diabetes, and it's all there. Every single video in detail. But usually it's the rich people who are lazy. They don't want to watch the video, so that makes our business model for us. But yeah, the point is the middle part for everyone is again, they're getting more and more confused. I have people on a, for example, 20,000 rupee salary coming and saying, hey, Luke, I need to start protein and L-citrulline and all. I'm like, dude, why? Why? Oh, I saw it on social media. I'm like, listen, just start with a couple of push-ups, go home and eat your home food and you'll be fine. The middle part for today is home food. And I'll tell you why. It's a simple example. We had about 40% of our patients who would come to us for weight loss and diabetes. Before the pandemic, they were not hitting their goals. You know, they were traveling, all of that stuff. All of them hit their goals in the first month of pandemic. What was the only change? Home food. Home food. Home food. That's so powerful. So I tell people sometimes, you know, yeah, you're looking at better food. Maybe it's good to invest in having a cook at home. Okay, you give employment to someone else, but you get home food as well. Because if you actually calculate, and we've done this exercise, with the amount of outside meals you eat, it is way more expensive than having a cook at home who can use natural ingredients and stuff like that. So it's very important because outside food, no matter where you're eating, which hotel you're staying in, has loads of refined oil, sugar, fat, and salt, because that's what makes food taste good. Yeah, but Luke, it's bad news for traveling folk. Yeah, but, at home yeah I travel too <laughs> as well. See, it's the choices we make. Yeah. You know, it's the choices. I would love to have omelets, but I've been, the last couple of days, I've been traveling so much, so they're boiled eggs. <laughs> so I know they're not going to be in oil, maybe a nice soup. And if you know chefs, like, you know, you just tell them what to make, a simple kuchiri, paneer on the side, your protein. We can, we can manage it. But the moment you get back home, you want to try to eat clean for three to four days to kind of, everything is balanced. Without question. Let's deal with another psychological end of how people take to wellness, which is, especially when it comes to exercise. And we haven't mm -hmm. talked enough about that yet. Perhaps we will have the time. But there's also potentially a feeling of inadequacy that, well, so-and-so is, oh gosh, look at that ripped body or look at so-and-so. And because the world is, you know, I mean, you do notice things. I'm not saying it's competitive, yes. but you notice things. Do you find also people backing off from what could be a better life or lifestyle because they feel, I'm just not good enough. I can't be there. So let me not even try. Has that happened? Absolutely. Because the problem is comparison. I've had people who finally built a fit body comparing themselves with someone else. And then they saw someone else fitter and they gave up their journey because they realized it's never going to be ending until we change their mindset. Hey, you do this for you, not for anyone else. You want to look good? You can never. There's always going to be someone more handsome, prettier, richer, famous than you. It's always going to be that way. So when we accept that in life, again, it's a mindset change. Then I start working out because, hey, I want to impress my girl. I want to impress my guy. I want to feel good. I want to look good on a beach. You're not comparing yourself. Otherwise, I've seen people on beaches you know, it's like a club. Before I would go to a club and I would see people like, you know, really pretty women and men, a sad look on their face because they're looking around who's better than me, who's looking better and stuff. And I started noticing the same on, on the beach in Goa. I'm unhappy. You're on a beach in the sun, water. You should be happy playing football. All that. They're looking at everyone like that, envy, all of that, not happy with their own bodies. So comparison is the biggest negative trend of our, you know, society right now because you can never feel good about yourself. And it's linked with self-esteem. People say, what is self-esteem? Self-esteem is nothing but the way you feel about yourself. So if you don't feel good about yourself, nothing. Gucci's, Louis Vuitton's, a six-pack can't make you feel better, right? And then we need vices because we need to now numb ourselves into feeling that we're better about ourselves. So that's the psychological part of it. And I think, you know, look good if you want, but do it for you. You can't keep comparing yourself with other people because you are going to always feel inadequate if you do that. And finally, about exercise, because that too is understood, sometimes misunderstood. When, how much, just at home, join a gym. 
There's so many options. And what would you recommend as a very practical path when it comes to exercise or fitness physically? Yeah. So again, it's not what I think is right. It's what the human body wants and needs. What does the human body need? Strength, endurance, stamina, VO2 max for cardiovascular. We need flexibility. We need mobility. We need all of these things together. It's what the body needs if I'm 20 today and I want to be fit when I'm 30, 50, 60 or 90. Even my life at 90, I should have all of these things. Strength, stamina, endurance, mobility. So if I'm not working on these things today, you're going to find someone with a lot of money at the age of 70, unable to enjoy life, unable to travel, use their money because they didn't look after themselves. So this is what the body needs. Now, how do we get it? The most inexpensive way, yoga, walking or jogging or running, and use your own body weight, push-ups, squats, pull-ups, put up a bar. Everyone should have a pull-up bar in their home. You can't do a pull-up, hang on the bar. They're called dead hangs. Very, very powerful. Planks, lunges. You can do this in a hotel room. You can do it in a gym. Now, if you need the inspiration or you like seeing fit people or you're fit and you get motivated, join a gym. I don't have a problem with that. But train the right way. Safety first. Number two, don't say that, oh, I started this program and you see someone else doing a different program tomorrow and you immediately change your program. Sometimes the body does plateau, but you just got to keep going. And everyone wants to change at that point. You like to dance? Great exercise. You like to play a sport? Fantastic exercise. So you see, it's not really about exercise. It's about movement. Now, how flexible am I? Can I touch my toes without bending my knees? That tells me about the health of my spine. So now yoga gradually moves us into that movement and it's never too late to start. You could be 50, 60, 70, but start it. You think it's slow, do 30 minutes. So now in my day, on my entire week, I can do any of these things. I don't have to follow a box like three days I'm going to do this and three days I'm going to do that. And if I don't have one hour, I can do 30 minutes. If I don't have 30 minutes, I can do 15 minutes. What is important with exercise and a movement is consistency. Even if I'm consistent with 10 minutes a day, you may think, what will 10 minutes do for my body? You'll be surprised. Better than than nothing, exactly. (laughs) Me personally, I have a confession to make. I love sport. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try and do whenever I have time. But I don't think I'm exercising enough. So every once in a while I get injured because you're trying to do stuff that, you know, so I have to mix the two and I'm not finding the right middle path. So flexibility and mobility will prevent injury. True, yeah. I remember in commentary days of mine where some of the sports persons would go to a gym and just do stretching. Yeah. Which I thought was, you know, for 30 years ago, pretty superior thing to be Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, look, listen, it's been a pleasure. But before we go, are you okay for a quick rapid fire? Let's do yeah. it. It's going to be a quick question. I need a quick answer. All right. Yeah. So don't think too much about it, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. A superfood you can't live without? It would be turmeric. Your favorite form of exercise? It would be calisthenics, using my own body weight. Your best, most preferred stress relief technique? It would be deep breathing, pranayam. Okay. Your preferred morning ritual for a healthy start? Yes, I wake up, there's gratitude and prayer. Then I I use the bathroom and then yoga. 20-minute flow every day, addicted to it. Okay, last one. One word, Mm -hmm. difficult as may be, to describe your wellness philosophy. Simplicity, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Love it. Look, listen, it's been a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad we met. And what I said right at the top was, I'm feeling better already. Guess what? I'm feeling better now than I was at the top. I'm happy thank to you hear so that. much. Thank you so much. Shaking the hands and Pleasure. you know, all the best. And thank you for doing so much for cancer patients and for everybody else whose lives you touch. All the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that wraps up today's episode of House of Wellness Season 2. I hope all of you learned something new, something useful, something beneficial to continue the quest to embark on a healthier and happier life. 
Thank you for tuning in. Remember, it's all within you. So keep well, be kind, and we'll see you again next time. You were listening to House of Wellness Season 2, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company, streaming on Geo Savan.